All right, guys, welcome back to our continued teaching in the book of Revelation. Last time we were here in chapter 12, we talked about Satan and his attempts in the persecution of the Jewish people. The figure that chapter 12 gave us styled the Jewish people as a woman and woman with child. The child we remember is Jesus, the Messiah, and it was Satan, the dragon, who was pictured here, also called in chapter 12, the devil, in his attempt to destroy the child, that is to destroy Jesus. Again, we saw that as Herod tried to kill the baby Jesus. But nevertheless, the whole idea of 12 is dealing with Satan's persecutions of the Jewish people. But nevertheless, let's wrap chapter 12 up in summary. Since he failed to destroy Jesus, the scripture says that he lost his dominion, his domain in the heavenly places. Okay. Satan has been cast down to earth. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth. And also he lost through that war that he had with Michael, the archangel. And this is why he lost his domain through that war. He also lost his access into heaven before God. As chapter 12 says, he would go before God and accuse the saints of God. So after that great defeat and Satan now being put in the earth, that is in the sense of condemned to having being able to just simply roam the earth, his heavenly access being cut off. He now knows that his time is short. And so he goes continually to try to destroy the rest of her children. Remember at the end of chapter 12 talked about the woman, her children, that is the Jewish people. But not only will Satan try to destroy the Jewish people, but all who hold to Jesus as the Messiah, the saints of God. Okay. And so with that being said, we prepare to move into chapter 13 and we concentrate on a particular person in chapter 13, which will be the antichrist. And now we will see what, just what particular vehicle, or in other words, how will Satan try to destroy the people of God through whom Satan will attempt to try to destroy the Jews as well as the people of God as a whole. And that will be through the antichrist himself. Now, as we get ready to get into chapter 13, there are, there's a ton of things that we can talk about as we talk about the Antichrist. But because we are studying the book of Revelation, just allow me. I'm not going to go too, in too many different places, I hope. <laughs> We're going to try to stay within chapter 13 for the most part. Now, we do have to kind of step outside, basically, in the book of Daniel. So we probably have a number of references in that area, okay? But we're going to try to hold with chapter 13 as we deal with Revelation 13 and what it talks about in the person of the Antichrist. Anything that I think I need to talk about to help you try to understand it better, we'll talk about that, but not with great extent because this is not a study of the Antichrist himself. Okay. You had to go through several passages in the scriptures to talk about that. Daniel, Isaiah, Ezekiel, and, and Genesis itself. Okay. But we're not going to do that but we're just going to stick to Revelation 13. All right, without any further ado, 13. And the dragon stood on the sand of the seashore. Then I saw a beast coming up out of the sea, 
having ten horns and seven heads, and on his horns were ten diadems, and on his heads were blasphemous names. Okay, now I'm going to stop. I'm going to do maybe one or two verses at most as we work through 13, because I want to make certain that I don't skip anything and that you get a good understanding of what's going on, especially as John is using these descript this descriptive language as he in the scripture. OK, this descriptive language. And what do these things mean? All right. Verse number one, the dragon that stood on the sand of the seashore. Chapter 12 has already identified the dragon as the person of Satan. So therefore, what we are seeing is satanic activity. OK, satanic activity. So Satan doing what? Standing on the sand of the seashore. The seashore is, is a spiritual representation of humanity. It is a representation of humanity. So we see the activity of Satan as it is involving humanity. Remember that we left off in chapter 12 and our whole point was how is Satan? Remember, said he goes off to persecute the remainder of the woman's children. How does he do that? Here is that activity that is taking place as Satan is engaging in humanity. Now, you know what? I, I, okay, I just allow me because it's so difficult to just to go without giving you the understanding that you need. So allow me just simply to tell you what's going on. The activity of humanity is simply the beginning that, that we're seeing here, the fulfillment of Genesis 3 and 15. Remember the Bible talked about, they said the seed of the woman. All right. And we automatically know and understand that to be Jesus. We also know that, okay, how did that come about? The seed of the woman, Genesis 3 and 15. And nobody has any problems when you say the seed of the woman is Jesus. Everybody says, yes, that's Jesus. How did that happen? We know that the woman herself in particular was Mary. What happened with this woman, Mary, the Holy Spirit, the person, a uh, second person, I'm sorry, third person, as we call it, as we call it in the Godhead, Holy Spirit, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God came over Mary and impregnated Mary. So therefore, Mary was not impregnated by a man, Joseph. Remember, Joseph had this old issue. I thought Mary was running around, so he was going to divorce her. But nevertheless, the child was born of a supernatural means, the Holy Spirit. And the one that came from this union of man, that is by virtue of Mary and God, by virtue of the Holy Spirit of God himself, is Jesus. And for that reason, because Jesus had no man, human father he is called seed of a woman but in the same way in the same way because genesis 3 and 15 is like a, a, a contrasting passage the seed of the woman will, will crush the head of the serpent you got that but now the serpent seed of the seed of the serpent will bite his heel we know this speaks of satan satan himself in his activity 
But what cannot be taken away is the Bible is concentrating on those two seeds. My point as the woman has a seed, which will be, and we know Jesus from God. So the serpent also will have a seed and his seed will be born in the same way. And this is what we see happening in Genesis six. I said I wouldn't do it guys, but I have to, to make you understand it. This is what we see a similar activity. Genesis six, when the sons of God, angels saw the daughters of men, women, human women, and they came together and produced children called the Nephilim. Some people say the giants. They're not giants because they're high and that the word giant is not used there at all. But the word is used in Hebrew Nephilim, which means fallen ones. OK, but nevertheless, you see angels mixed with human women. So this is the idea that is begin that is going to take place as we see Satan beginning to have activity in the human realm. He will find a woman in the same way. And you'll see that. And, and, and uh, forget the for, um, forgive me for extensive commentary. But if you stay with me in the teaching, you will see this same thing. And here's the principle. Um, as God does, Satan tries to do the same thing as God does. Satan does the same thing as God has a son is Jesus. Satan will produce a son. And that's where we are right now in chapter 13, which will be the Antichrist. OK. And as God infused Jesus with his power, Jesus was filled with the spirit of the Lord. Right. And he went about doing marvelous things as God gave his authority and power to his son, Satan will give his authority and power to his son, his literal son. Okay. And also as we see, there is God, the father, God, the son and God, the Holy spirit. There will also be a picture. Satan also will form a satanic Trinity, Satan acting as God, the father, the antichrist will be acting as God, the son. And we will see later on in this very chapter talking about another beast who will also be talking. This other beast is the false prophet. You see that in revelation 16 and I believe 19, but nevertheless, the false prophet form the unholy, the satanic Trinity, Satan, the father, the antichrist, the son and the, and the beast, I'm sorry, the, third, the second beast, the false prophet, will be acting as the Holy Spirit. Why do I say he'll act as the Holy Spirit? Because in the same way as the true Holy Spirit lives in us that gets us to worship Jesus, ultimately worshiping God, the false prophet will do the same. You'll see that at the end of the chapter. I'm a little premature, but you'll get the picture better. The false prophet will be operating as like the Holy Spirit, so to speak, the evil Holy Spirit to get people to worship the Antichrist who in him you are worshiping Satan himself. OK, so we'll see this same idea. So back to verse number one, with all that being said, we see now Satan engaging 
with humanity. Now you know what that engagement standing on the shores of the sea is all about because he will be producing his own son by a woman in the same way who I honestly believe will be a willing subject. She will be aware. She's not going to be unaware just like Mary was completely aware of what was taking place with her would be supernatural and she would produce a child. Same thing. And that's why I said Satan mimics God. And we see this all throughout. Okay. Then I saw a beast coming up out of the sea, having 10 horns, seven heads, and on his horns were 10 diadems on his heads were blasphemous names. Now here's where we now see this particular, the dragon, the beast, the introduction for the antichrist, the, the literal son of Satan. Okay. Now it calls him the beast. The reason why it calls him the beast is because he will be a leader of the final kingdom of the world, final Gentile kingdom. Okay. And I, it is a lot to be said. You have to go all the way back to the study in the book of Daniel. When we say Gentile, that means where the Jews are not in power. The Jews are not empowered and really don't have the control over their land. Now it seems like it for short period, temporary periods, but ultimately they are conquered by Gentiles. Okay. So even now, as of the recording of this video, although Israel has control of the land, it's just temporary. The Antichrist himself will break that. But nevertheless, so the beast deals with the symbolism of one who is over a great kingdom. And we see these four beasts talked about in the book of Dan talked about in the book of Daniel. All right. Coming up out of the sea, the beast comes out of the sea again, out of the sea from amongst men, kingdom of men, having 10 horns, seven heads. These 10 horns basically represents power and kingdoms that are in the subdivisions. Okay. Of the kingdom of the beast subdivisions, seven heads, seven heads simply deal with the rulers who will come from the final. I tell you what I do. I just give you a brief explanation because I'm making this choppy. You will have four great kingdoms. And that's why the book of Daniel talked about four beasts that Daniel saw. Okay. And in each of these kingdoms, as we move through the periods of time, and these are kingdoms, Gentile kingdoms that basically dominate the world and in some sense also dominate Israel, dominate the Jewish people. As these different kingdoms come all the way from the first kingdom that we see, Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, okay, then we'll see the Medo-Persians, and I wasn't supposed to get here, but then we'll see the kingdom of the Greece, and then we'll see this indescript kingdom, which we first called the Roman Empire. And that's where we stop right there. Roman Empire. Even though the Roman Empire, as we know, no longer exists, nevertheless, that kingdom still exists. It's kingdom. From that kingdom will come several kings, will come several kings. And here's what we talk about when we talk about 
the different heads. And that's what I'm trying to make you understand. The seven heads. Now, I'm not going to go through all of that particular history. But as we move through those representative heads, kings, the final one will be the Antichrist. He is the seventh. And later on in the book of Revelation, it's going to call him the seventh and the eighth. And we'll talk about that when we get there. We're already way off course. So this is why the Antichrist is representative as this single beast, that beast. Okay. Ten horns, seven heads, because that's a single animal. He is that because he will be the ruler and leader of all of that. He culminates as the leader of the final kingdom, the final expression of the last great kingdom of Gentiles. That's why he's called this beast and given this description. Okay. And that's why you see the 10 diadems on his head, which are 10 royal crowns, because in his kingdom, the world will be divided. Not Rome, the whole entire planet will be divided into 10 kingdoms that he, the Antichrist, the beast, the head of that kingdom will rule. Now it says he has blasphemous names on that beast representing, of course, the kingdom of the Antichrist. And the reason why it is stated to have blasphemous names is because he rejects Christ and God. So that's why we call him Antichrist. All that is of God, of the true God, he rejects. Remember, his whole point is, as you'll see, even in this chapter, he declares himself to be God. And that's what Jesus talked about when he says, when you see the abomination of desolation or that makes desolate. Okay. So that's him. And that's why he has blasphemous names because everything that is about God, he rejects because he demands the world to worship him and receive him as God. That's why you'll see later on in this chapter, what does he do? He causes everybody to receive the number of his name. That is an allegiance and I accept him as God. But nevertheless, that's still premature. So, and the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like those of a bear and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his throne and great authority. Okay, so now as further descriptions of this beast, the Antichrist, he says he was like a leopard, a bear, and a mouth, those descriptors. If you'll notice, and again, we don't have time to get into all of those details. If you go back to the book of Daniel, and it talks, Daniel gives us descriptions of those four kingdoms. Remember I told you about those four great Gentile empires that are to happen. The first one we see is Babylon. Babylon is the great lion. The next one we see is the kingdom of the Medes and the Persians, which is described as a bear. And the third one we see the kingdom of Alexander the Great. It's Greece, which is described as a leopard. 
And we're not going to get into all of the, the, those descriptors. That's for the study of the book of Daniel. But what you see is this final beast. Remember, Daniel talked about an indescript beast. He said, he said, I don't know what to call this because it, I don't know what it looks like. That's the idea. This is that beast that he's talking about. It is here, as we're seeing in Revelation, a combination of all of those empires, beasts. You see it now? So now with that combination, that bringing together all of the world empires, all of the empires of the Gentiles. That's why we see that. That description being given of him. Now, with the combination of world empires, what? The dragon gave him his power and his throne and great authority. Now, let me talk about each and every one of those points. The dragon, Satan, and always remember, people sometimes make the most ridiculous statements, so-called Christians. I, I'm not going to try to determine whether they're saved or not. Sometimes you can make statements and, and it's just ignorant about Satan, putting your feet on the devil. You can't put your foot on the devil. The devil is the most powerful creature that God has ever made, period. And notice that's why in the very end, great authority. So you can't deal with the devil. That's why, remember when it said Michael, who is the archangel, Michael in the book of Jude, an archangel was having a dispute, a fight, an argument of some sort with the devil over the body of Moses. Michael did not get out of place with Satan. He said, I have to let God handle you. The Lord rebuke you. Satan has great authority. So all we can do as far as Satan is concerned is say in Jesus name. That's it. We can never put our foot on the day. Okay. But anyway, too much on the outside. Dragon, Satan. That's why I said all of that. You get a, get a grip on it. Satan, the ruler of this world. Jesus said that himself. The Bible calls him the prince and the power of the air. Satan is a great authority. Gave him his power. So the Antichrist will receive. Remember, as I told you earlier, just as Jesus, when he came in the flesh, when he came in the flesh, received power from God, the father to do the things that he will do. So the Antichrist also will receive power from his father, Satan, the dragon. That's what you see. The dragon gave him the beast, the antichrist, his power. So the antichrist will be infused with the power of Satan. And that's why I went on that rampage, <laughs> that verbal rampage talking about Satan. He is the most powerful creature ever ever. And he can do incredible things. Remember? Okay. So just let me talk a bit. Moses having the power of God symbolized in that rod that he carried. Remember that in the book of Exodus and he threw his rod down before Pharaoh, Pharaoh's magicians and Moses rod became a serpent. Guess what? Guess what? 
and so did the magicians throw down their staves and it also became serpents. Now these, the whole point of the book of Exodus is, that's the whole point of the plagues, just in case you didn't know it, is God's strikes against the gods of Egypt. And that is the false idol gods of Egypt. Every plague was a denunciation of the false god of Egypt. That's what it is. And we already know, as Paul has taught us in the book of first Corinthians, there is no such thing as an idol, but what the Gentiles worship are demons. So therefore what the magicians of Pharaoh did, Moses did by the power of the true God. Then who did they do it by? Who did they cause? Now think an inanimate piece of wood to turn to a living serpent. Now that's a, what kind of power can do that? It's beyond this world to turn something that does not live into something that does live. They did it by the power of Satan. Okay. Another example I'll give you since I'm here. So the temptations of Job, what did you see? Remember when Satan came in amongst the sons of God, when they were having the meeting in heaven, let me just simply say it that way. And God finally gave Satan permission to go and tempt, cause hurt and destruction to Job. Notice the thing that Satan did immediately in leaving the presence of Job, stirring up people to cause him to lose his animals, his resources, and finally sending a wind to kill his sons. And then in the very end, remember when Satan came back the second time, skin for skin, he struck him. What am I trying to say in a simple way? Satan has power. Okay. Satan has, and he has power in the elements and things in this world, a power that we don't understand. When the time is right, when Satan has his son, back to verse number two, the dragon gave him, the antichrist, his power. Satan said, you are now given my power. Now, what's also important about that, go back in your mind again, to Revelation chapter 11. Remember when we taught on the two witnesses, remember that? Also called the two prophets that God will give for the, the, the world, the Jewish people in specific. But nevertheless, the two prophets. And remember the Bible said that they would have not only just simply prophetic power, but power to strike the world with all manner of plague, turn the water into blood and all kinds. And that if anybody tried to hurt those two prophets, remember what the scripture says, fire would come forth from their mouth so that whoever, if any person tried to kill them, they will be killed. You cannot kill the prophets. If you tried, you died. Not just, you didn't just fall dead, they killed you until, but notice something, all of a sudden, the beast that comes from the sea comes out of the abyss. I'm sorry. Remember, I taught you guys about that. Go back and review chapter 11 if you haven't. What does he do? This is the Antichrist who is empowered with the powers of Satan. What the, that beast, the Antichrist, does something no 
mere mortal man can do. What does he, what does he do? He kills the prophets. He kills the prophets. How is it he, the Antichrist can kill the prophets? Now we're still back in verse number two of 13. He has not simply the power of regular mortal men. He has the power of Satan himself. And that's why he can even kill the two prophets. Okay. So all I'm trying to let you see the Antichrist will be a special man. He's something special. Okay. Also notice Satan, the dragon gave him his throne, the throne and, and allow me to combine the two throne and great authority by throne. It means powers and dominion over this world, over the kingdoms of this world. That's how the antichrist would be the world ruler because Satan has the power over this world. Remember, I'll just take my time and however long it takes us to get through 13, it's just going to take us there. But at least you will understand it. Remember, it was during the time when Jesus was in Jerusalem for his final days that all of a sudden some Greek people came and asked the disciples to, for a meeting. They wanted to see Jesus. They said, we want to see him. They didn't know what to do because they were Gentiles. And Jesus made the statement. He says, it's now time for me to die. And if I die, then at the same time, there will be many people that should come forward from my death. If this seed should be planted, it should spring forth and bring up fruit. He was speaking of his death. And the whole point of this is knowing that it would be after and through his death because of that death, that the gospel would go out to the Gentile world. And so Jesus was saying that uh, this would bring forth that great harvest in the world. But nevertheless, it was during that time that Jesus made a certain statement. And here's when he said this word. And now is the ruler of this world cast down. And that's what I'm trying to get you to see. The ruler of this world. Jesus himself recognized Satan as the ruler of this world. Okay, let me give you this other example that I've given you once before, but remember it. Remember that after Jesus was baptized, Jesus went into, uh, he was driven by the spirit into the wilderness place to be tempted by Satan. Okay. Remember the first temptation, one of those temptations, turn the stones to bread. Another of those temptations, cast yourself off the high place of the temple. And then one of the most important ones, I guess I can say it that way was bow down and worship me. And if you worship me, that is worship me as God, all the kingdoms of the world are mine. I will give them to you. He was just simply trying to get Jesus to take a shortcut. But that, by that, I mean not go to the cross. If Jesus didn't go to the cross and die for people's sin, all of mankind would be lost. All of the scripture would be broken because what? He was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquities to make Jesus not do what the scripture said he would do. Okay. And offering Jesus, that is a shortcut to the messianic kingdom. I don't want to get into all of that.
But nevertheless, the point that I'm making is this. When he offered Jesus the kingdoms of the world, Jesus refused those kingdoms of the world. And Jesus did not call Satan a liar. So he didn't say, Satan, you are a liar in this and that. You don't have the kingdoms of the world to give. All I'm trying to do for you is this. When you look at John, when Jesus said, now is the ruler of this world cast down. And he says it again in the book of John. And Paul says it in, the, in his own epistles when he talks about him as the ruler and the prince and powers of the air. All I'm trying to say is this. This world is under the authority and domination of Satan. So therefore, he has the real power. When he offered it to Jesus, Jesus did not call him a liar saying, you don't have the kingdoms of this world to give me. He has them. When the time comes, when the time is right, and here and right now in Revelation 13, the time has come, that is during the time of the tribulation. When Satan has his son, the Antichrist, in the same way as Satan offered Jesus hit the kingdoms of the world and Jesus refused it. Jesus, the son of God, Satan's own son, he will offer Satan himself, will offer those kingdoms to him and he will accept it. And when he accepts it, Satan will give it to him. That's how we see Revelation 13 and 2 being fulfilled. Satan gave him, the Antichrist, his power and turned around. Satan gave him the dominion over the earth. The kingdoms of the earth I give to you. Okay, let's stop there, guys. That's a lot to take in and try to get a grip on. But nevertheless, we'll continue back with this teaching. We're going to break it up because there's so much to talk about. But I do think from this point, it'll get a little easier. But nevertheless, we'll stop right here and we'll continue this teaching in Revelation 13 when I see you the next time.